0: What defines success? I always believe that the customer should come first. I mean, every drawing I do on a whiteboard, start with the customer at the top, because if you're not serving the customer, whether it's B2B or whether it's consumer, you're in trouble. What happens when you get knocked down? We've seen this over and over again, and certainly people in the early days thought about was the dumbest idea out there. I got turned down for money from all kinds of places and ran into people through the years that said, oh, I missed that one. What makes some people radiate? What's work? You know, when you're running a startup, it's, all, it's work. all work. It's all work. It's all work. This is Radiate.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Radiate, the show where we interview some of the world's most successful people to find out how they work their way to the top. This week, it's entrepreneur and angel investor Scott Kernit. He's currently the founder of retail site Keep.com, but what he's most well known for is being the founder of About.com. You remember that company? one of the very few Web 1.0 companies that is still around today. In fact, it's about to celebrate its 20th anniversary. A note of disclosure, Scott is an advisor to Radiate. He's also at least in my opinion, one of the best CEO coaches around. What's also interesting about Scott is that he got into the startup world after he turned 40 years old. For much of his career, he was considered a corporate guy at companies like Prodigy, Showtime, MCI. So I asked Scott about this transition and some of his low points, even moments when he literally broke down. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Here's Scott Kernett. Scott, great to have you on Radiate. Nice to be here. Okay, so I have known you for, I don't know, a couple of years now, right? Decades. (laughs) And one thing that I've really grown to admire is that, you know, you built this company, About.com, what, 20 years ago now?
0: 20 years ago. When's the 20th anniversary? uh, June 26th.
1: So it's coming up quickly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But it, you know, we were an interesting company. We operated in stealth, which violates a lot of people's beliefs. So you could argue that our anniversary is June 26th. You could argue that it was February, I think it was February 10th, when we actually ended up with articles in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal for our little junky mm-hmm. startup. Or you could argue that it was in April when we launched the whole, the whole business to the public. Because of the nature of the business, right. it kind of stepped like that.
1: What, what's the most important date to you?
0: I think they're all important, and there's no question that first day when you're on the balcony, at my old place, at my kitchen table with a couple of people. I mean, that's that's clearly, you know, a critical date. I think probably most critical was when we when we went out for me when we went out to the world because mm-hmm. I had come off of not the best experience running MCI's internet business before this, and one of the reasons we got all the press attention was it's like okay, here's the guy who ran. MCI's internet business, and what's he doing now? Right. So startups would not normally get, you know, uh, Press 101 would say there's no way you're going to get, certainly 20 years ago, there's no way you're going to get the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal.
1: And And we did. did.
0: And we did. Um, And it was actually almost in some ways a pre-announcement because we needed to populate the service because it was one of the early uh, crowdsourced businesses. So we had to go out there ahead of time and say, hey, we're doing this thing, and you should all come in and participate
1: absolutely but what I was gonna ask you about though is what do you think it was about about.com though that made it last for this long because so many of those companies from web 1.0 they completely imploded
0: they're almost all gone almost if you than you know, Amazon right? if, if you think other about it, you, think about it, think it. you know it's interesting I was thinking about writing a post the other day about I love the internet and <laughs> if you think about the early days of Amazon in terms of vision of investors or users or whatever it was very uncertain it's like, well, how, how could that work? And the question was, was it uncertain? Because people didn't know the internet. They didn't get that a bookstore would become an everything store. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've seen this over and over again. And certainly people in the early days thought about it was the dumbest idea uh, out there. Um, people I think,
1: told you that? Oh,
0: God, yes. Oh, I got turned down for money from all kinds of places and, you know, ran into people through the years that said, oh, I missed that one. Mm-hmm. I think part of the miss was that they... They would say to me at the time, you know, Scott, the internet is about technology and software and code and the efficiency of that, and about originally the mining company was about blending code and people. So here we are 20 years later, and people are now everywhere in the convenience economy. Whether it's Airbnb, or whether it's Uber, right. or whether it's Instacart, it's saying, okay, I'm gonna place the order through this magic thing called an iPhone or the internet, we're going to get the service delivered by you know, good, old-fashioned humans. And that's what we did 20 years ago. So it, to a lot of people, it was kind of anathema when they looked at the likes of Infoseek and Excite and Lycos, all gone, yeah. and said, well, you know, those guys are efficient. And I said, they're efficient, but they're not very good. It wasn't until Google came along with this neat little twist of PageRank that changed everything on the search side so Ours was a, a different kind of approach.
1: And you, call it, you called it, what, a mining company? Well,
0: originally, the name of the company, I mean, it went through, uh, actually, it went through ICSN, which is, I can't say, network. Actually, somebody <laughs> picked up, I think Jim Anderson picked up that URL. Because we were working six months in stealth and couldn't tell people what we were doing, so it's like, where, where do you work? Uh, I, I, I had the name generalinternet.com. I, I loved that because it played off of everybody—General
1: Internet, General Motors, dot-
0: General Electric, General Mills, General Foods, you know, big and powerful. But it was, you know, one could say a little silly. <laughs> and then the naming is hard. And we originally called it The Mining Company. Very big, very bold.
1: Because you're mining the internet?
0: Dig up the gems, polish them, and present them. The okay. mining company, the metaphor.
1: And then who came up ultimately with About.com?
0: Well, here's what happened. It was years later that we went to About. We were actually public by the time we went to About. So what happened at the very beginning, we, we do this story in February in the Wall Street Journal, and little did I know, or I think probably anybody then, and I bet it's still true 20 years later, they have a policy, which means they have a lot of grammatical policies. One is... The that, Journal does. The Journal one is that the at least then it was that the word the is never capitalized. The Walt Disney Company, it's always lowercase. The mining company, oh my God, lowercase. Saw it in print for the first time, and the other rule that they had was that they never spelled out company. It was. CO. The Mining Co. That's correct. So it ended up as Mining Co. So here I have this big powerful name, The Mining Company, and all of a sudden it's like miningco.com. <laughs> and it's like I went, oh my God, really? How did that happen? And it happened in a day. But we ran the business that way. I frankly never loved the name. There were a lot of people who did. Right. The, the, the metaphor still worked, and I think it was important for us to have a metaphor because the internet was so new so that we could you know, do something tangible like like a mining yes. company. Um and we changed the name to about two months after our IPO.
1: Okay, so you went public as the mining company. We went public
0: as the mining company, did very well. We actually were the um we were we were the, the largest delta from um uh pricing from offering to uh, pricing to offering. Hmm. Uh at How the How much time. did you raise? Um oh boy, all told we probably raised out of private and public markets a hundred 30 maybe 160 million wow. we were actually an, we were actually an efficient company we raised 30 to get public uh 20 years ago but i think companies like iVillage, which was an interesting one that uh, we yeah. always kind of looked at across the, we looked at as a comp we looked at them across the street i think they raised about twice that and the interesting thing is about exists today but if you go to iVillage.com, you're just redirected to the Today Show. So best I can tell is iVillage. Yeah, Village. what happened
1: to them? They got think they, just, they got They, acquired. they,
0: they got bought by NBC and eventually turned to dust.
1: Okay. So what do you so what do you think was you know I'm trying to toot your horn here, Scott. <laughs>
0: what,
1: what do you think What do you think it was about about the company that that's made it last?
0: Well, I think part of it is the core model. Um, the fact that the guides there's now a thousand of them okay. are in. I'm not sure how many countries today, but back in our day, it was 40 different countries. Yeah. They never saw the sausage being made at headquarters. I think is a critical. You know, there's there's lots of reasons. One, never saw the sausage being made. Um, we went through five ownerships and seven CEOs over time, 20 years, uh, something new like the internet, and survived it and flourished. So I think that's one. Uh, number two is the employment model which was quite radical at the time of independent contractors still not completely grasped today we've mm-hmm. seen uber and lyft lose these court cases yeah. so we what became, about rework, work right we became experts in the independent contractor model and what that did was it enabled these 750 guides to feel independent to actually own the copyright to the content that they created. Um, there are 10 kind of obvious regulations to be an independent contractor versus an employee. And by making sure, and it was more important then, pre, actually pre-Obamacare, from an economic standpoint, from, uh, from their interest standpoint, from their motivation, that they, that they would be that. So they, they, they actually had copyrights to their content, but we had rights in perpetuity. I mean, my biggest fear is that Microsoft would come by one day and they would just sweep up the entire Mm. 750 people. So we had to make sure that the content had to reside with us. And there's hundreds of thousands of pieces of content, trillions of page views that have been viewed over time. Uh, But that was, uh, it was was kind of my Microsoft fear Mm. in building the model in terms of how do we make this sustainable. Ironically, Microsoft was one of our uh, early distribution partners. We were actually a channel on the original MSN network, one of 14 channels, hmm. the mining company. Uh, we were a channel at ATT WorldNet, at Earthlink. Right. Uh, that was one of the key distribution methods back there was to nest on other people's services. Today that splintered more, um, but there was that, plus there was SEO. We, we actually, I think most people would say we kind of invented search engine optimization. Yeah. Uh, we got into By the way, this. some of
1: those names you're mentioning, MSN, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, exactly. is, that is so so 1990s.
0: Exactly. Um, Earthlink, these are, these are names people won't remember. They it's, won't.
1: The younger people listening will not no, remember.
0: It. It's 20 years, and I recently, I think it was a week or two ago, I saw someone talk about the fact that an internet company that's been around 20 years is the equivalent of a traditional company that's been around 60 Wow. Just if you think about it, in terms of the amount of churn there is, we see successful companies on the internet, they look like they can do no wrong. I mean, Yahoo was everything. You know, Yahoo was Facebook and Google wrapped up into one. They owned it, they were going to have it forever. Yeah. You know, and now they're going to sell for scrap.
1: So, Scott, you know, one of the things, now you, you did a pro guide with us on our video platform, but one of the things we didn't get to do as we were getting lessons from you is to hear some of the stories behind, because you have some very strong views, behind your views on how to run a company. So, so what are some of the things that you always, because culture's so important, that you always wanted to make sure, and that you think has contributed to the longevity of your companies, and to the company that you're running now, or that, that, that you started after, yeah. which is Keep. I mean, what are some of the, you know, where did they come from?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting, is looking back at the pro guides, I could make the opposite argument in some of those cases. Like what? Um, culture's an interesting one. Um, I think that everyone should have a culture, and I think that companies now get that. It was about five or six years ago, I did two talks to combined groups of uh, 100 um, CEOs, and I was amazed that there were like only two companies in that group, maybe it was 10 years ago, that even had culture. So now I think everybody says, oh, we should have a culture. The question is, what should that culture be? Um, because about... Um, has been so successful its culture being transferred to other kinds of enterprises probably not necessarily the best idea in the about case the reason that you and I talked about an upside down pyramid was that i always believe that the customer should come first i mean every drawing i do on a whiteboard yeah. start with the customer at the top because if you're not serving the customer whether it's b2b or whether it's consumer you're in trouble serve the, the customer you're
1: in absolute trouble if you're never if you're not do, if you're that's not exactly right but most people you know don't think what you're doing.
0: A lot of people don't think customer first. So it was clearly customer first. Then the next level in our model was so unique, and, and what's so one of the many things that's gratifying, I bet there's well over 100 of the original guides still doing it 20 years later. So this, from an employment standpoint, if you think of them as employees, a word that we banned at About, we were team, Uh, Also because the guides were independent contractors and they created all the content. Mm -hmm. Our job was to enable them, to give them the resources to be able to do it. Find them, train them, promote them, give them the tools. Uh, We created that structure where it's consumers, then the guides, then the people who manage the guides, then you get into management. So my whole concept, and I like it for any company. And you were at the bottom. I was at the bottom. Upside down pyramid, the CEO's job is set direction, no question. Uh, Make sure the resources are there. But when push comes to shove, if something's not right, you know, the buck stops here.
1: So did you do that
0: also for Keith? I did. Um, I can't swear that it's the right thing to do. It depends on the kind of a company. Uh, About very mission-based. Harder to have a mission-based company around commerce and shopping. Hmm. It's like, do you really need the fifth pair of jeans?
1: And and when you say mission-based, Scott, you mean like you had a mission to to take down the bigger guy, right? Or to... It wasn't
0: just the mission to compete. It's always good to compete, obviously. And there were bigger guys. And our model was was scoffed at by most. Okay. Uh, and I think that makes you better as, as long as you believe. Uh, no, the mission was to make the internet more accessible. We, uh, search engines we didn't think were, were solving the problem. Not until Google came along did it really solve the problem. So we had a whole generation. Of very valuable companies, search engines that are no longer here, uh, that didn't do it. So it's like, okay, ours is different. We like the way ours feels uh, versus the others. Um, and it was kind of like taking taking them on, taking on the mechanical. If you think about it, everyone's afraid of uh, AI right now, replacing yeah. humans. You go back twenty years ago is like technology versus humans. And our model was technology. Uh, helping humans rather than technology replacing them.
1: So I keep though bit it was a little bit harder to do that.
0: No, it wasn't harder to do that, it's just a style. Um, okay. You know, my style is, and, and it works frankly with where we are with millennials right now who uh, don't want to be told what to do. Um, and I don't say that as a criticism. They are a, they are a generation that wants autonomy and, and, and wants flexibility to do what they want. And I like to support that. And the good news is the model from about Uh, was that because the guides were the important people so even though I made more than they did and I was the boss it's you know the interesting they were critical they were critical the interesting twist was if we supported them we would have a great service and And I learned that you know I kind of learned it at the conventional places I had worked at Viacom and Warner but you really learn it one when it's your own company and you don't want credit for anything you just want success you it's like you know, in corporations, it's kind of like you need to get credit. And none, you didn't care. None of that. Yeah. No, it was the reverse. I want to push it to the guides and push it to the people um, who touched them, who worked for me.
1: What's the biggest difference? Because I always forget that you had you had this other long career before you even started companies. So what is the biggest difference? that you've noticed or that you noticed when you jumped ship and decided I'm going to start my own company?
0: Well, you know, I started it, um, so it's 20 years ago, I started it at uh, just, just just past 40, um, which back then was a reasonable age to be a CEO of a startup. Today, I think 40 is considered over the hill. So mm-hmm. I'm, It is. So I'm, Thank you. So,
1: so
0: <laughs> 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 you don't look a day over less than that. Um,
1: but that's interesting you say that, though. Well, right. it
0: was interesting is I was considered a corporate guy. I had worked at Viacom, Warner, uh, MCI, ran an MCI News Corp JV. It's like, oh my God, here's a guy who expects to fly first class, who is going to be scared because he works for corporations where you're not allowed to make mistakes. We're nervous to fund this guy. And so, you making,
1: so you must have been making good money too, right? Sure, Obviously. I was. Yeah,
0: no, I was, you know, as president of uh of Showtime's event division and I ran MCI's internet business in the JV as president of their business. Um Vince Surf, the father of the internet, actually reported to me. I was wow. smart enough He reported to me on paper. Vint, do whatever you <laughs> want.
1: <laughs> whatever
0: you want. Um, I won't yeah. F it up. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. You have to understand how you manage certain people. It's like the guy invented the internet. I think he can do what he wants.
1: <laughs> but so Okay, so that's interesting. I, I want to hear more about that. So people were like, why do you want to leave? Why do well, you want to do this? It's that,
0: and, and, and not completely trusting that you'll spend money carefully. And that, you, you know, that because corporate versus startups are completely different things. Now, I had done several startups inside corporations. Um, I had done two inside Viacom, mm-hmm. Warner and Viacom. And interestingly, when we did Viewer's Choice, which was, which still exists today as In Demand, which was a, uh, ended up as a joint venture of all the cable companies, um, somebody made a mistake, I won't say who, on the Excel spreadsheet. Made the presentation, and it said, we're going to do all of this, and it's going to cost $4 million to get into business. Then we went back, and we checked the spreadsheet, and went, oh no, the columns didn't add properly, and we really need $5 million. The, the, the Viacom guy, Sumner Redstone changed the pronunciation, that's a whole interesting story. The Viacom guy said, I'm sorry, we approved $4 million, you're gonna do it on four. I said, I can't. Well, you know what we did? And it was a really interesting thing. So it was almost like training wheels inside the corporation, doing a startup inside the company, 20% less money than I thought I was gonna have. It starts to feel a lot like, like startups. Yeah. Uh, and then when I went to do the startup, again, uh the traditional sources were going you know we're not really big fan of corporate guys hmm. uh, doing startups and so that was one of the things i had to prove them wrong they they also How did you they didn't that? love the model right uh either i mean so what happened was uh ended up with some vcs at the time were probably considered grade b vcs okay. who believed in it and me and the team and that we could do it but actually our whole financing was um uh, the VCs didn't come in till later. I actually had corporate money. It was a whole differently kind of financed. Business. Right. It, it
1: wasn't like the, the the way you hear it now. Well, is... you know, you
0: you know, companies all have interesting stories about their early financing. Our early financing, I would say, it's it's a topic for another day. I think was probably more wonky than just about anyone's hmm. due to the nature of it. We actually had two tranches of loans that totaled $8 million. Okay. Of loans. And I'm not talking what convertible notes as we know them today. they were like
1: actual loans. They were
0: loans. It was, there there was lots of machinations. So
1: so Scott, let's talk a little bit in the time that we have about you. And you've been trying to avoid my personal (laughs) question. I want to hear, I want to hear. I'm not
0: going to tell you the first time I cried, I'm not. (laughs)
1: Okay, we'll go on to my other question. All right, it was just—it
0: was just before I had to lay off eight hundred people at the MCI News Corp JV. I I was emotionally. Have you
1: ever cried at work?
0: Have I cried at work? Um, Not that I can recall, but I can tell you there are times when you are. Now I remember too, you know, in terms of what's work. You know, when you're running a startup, it's all, it's work. all work. It's all work. It's all work. And I can tell you that I remember being uh, about was kind of unfundable at our Series B. It was like no one's coming to the table. Where we have to figure out how to like wind this thing down and try and get five or six million dollars out of it. Ironically, a year later, we were worth a billion seven. My argument for stay in it, figure out how to scratch and stay in it, but I can remember the emotional reaction I had was actually, you know, it just sticks with me. I'm in, I I, I land in San Francisco at two in the morning, delayed flights, whatever, so it's really five in the morning New York time. I go into the men's room, there's a a blind guy in the men's room, and the stalls are all disgusting. And I helped him find a place to go to the bathroom. Hmm. And then I left the bathroom, and I'm out in the, you know, in the hall at two o'clock in the morning in San Francisco. And I just started crying. And what it was was, yeah, my company may go down and I'll have this personal black mark because it's mine, it's not some corporate element. But when I put that in perspective with this guy, it just was an emotional meltdown. Wow. And part of it is completely, you know, when when you're at that and you know, we, we, we hear about the some few companies that have just kind of been successful all the way through, but most companies have had their have had their tough times. Um, and when you're the CEO, you're 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 alone. You've got your board. Uh, the question is, you know. You, you're close to them, but they have to decide whether they're going to finance you and get you over the hump. So if others won't finance yeah. you, it's, it's, then sometimes it's a
1: love-hate relationship they, with the board. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, I love I, I love venture boards because everybody's in it to make money. Yeah. Unless things go south. Yep. And then everybody is at odds. And there are times when every one of these, just about every one of these businesses, goes through a tough time.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was So one. You, got
0: your, you got your crying you thing. You said there
1: were two. <laughs> what was the second one? No, no, one? one I
0: remember. I was in a movie, and I was had to go lay off. It was the Richard Dreyfuss movie where he's the high school symphony conductor. I was about to have to lay off 800 people in nine divisions that were part of this MCI News Corp JV, hmm. and that was, for me, unbelievable. I've, you know, I've... Four times I've laid off large groups of people in my career. Was
1: this the largest?
0: This was the largest. The others were more like 40 people, 20 people. This was 800 800 people. lives. Uh, 800 lives. Uh, and it wasn't anything that these people had done wrong. Their parents, MCI and News Corp, had a divorce in the dark of night. MCI went and threw in with Microsoft with, with like six hours notice even to Rupert Murdoch at the time. Uh-huh. and it's like it's over and you know Rupert tried hard to figure out how to save it with another partner and, and, and those yeah, kinds did, of machinations yeah. but it's, it's the corporate overlords
1: so and you were in this movie theater
0: I know you were in a movie theater the movie watching ends a, and I'm just I can just tell you that I, I I will confess I sat there for 10 minutes at the end of the movie while the credits are rolling and everybody else is leaving the movie just emotionally drained
1: was this before after the layoff
0: this was, act, this was MCI News Corp it was before Okay. There's actually a certain catharsis when it's done, to be honest with you. off
1: your shoulders.
0: You know, it's a funny thing. You know about these drastic corporate actions four weeks, six weeks before. And then you time it down, and then you have to get into the nitty gritty of it. So you you kind of lose the emotional sense. It's Mm -hmm. like, we just have to figure out how to lay off 800 people, not get sued, figure out people's contracts, get them into whatever kind of... um, you know, job relocation uh, program we can. Yeah. So by the time you're telling this mass of people and it's a shock to them for the first time, in some weird sense, it's a relief. In some weird sense.
1: For Trust you me. for them, too? No, no, no. Not for you, no, right? For okay.
0: I've known about it for a month. I've been told by the corporate overlords, this is going to happen.
1: This is, this is happening.
0: They're hearing it for the first time. They're wondering how they're going to pay their rent next month because they're living check to check or yep. whatever it may be. Um,
1: do you ever think about any of those people? You do? Oh
0: my god, I think about them all the time. You know, it's, um, I, I run the craziest holiday list. I have a lot of people on my holiday list and I send out I presents. made it onto your holiday you did. You made it onto list. My, you made it onto my holiday list. I have list. to stay on it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun because it's a, it, I get connections back, I get comments back, I run into people from 20, 30 years ago.
1: But I'm saying the people that you laid off, though, oh, are, oh they, yeah. are they on your
0: list? The oh, oh, absolutely, <laughs> I would say, for example, Eric Bingham is one of the co-founders of About, and Eric was, had an important role at News Corp. Sorry, Eric, you're fired, right? Uh, turn the clock, I don't know, probably six months later, start to put About together, it's like, Eric, get in here. Oh, wow. Um, absolutely no think about think about a lot of them you know Facebook's a really interesting thing because you you find people that you would not you would not have found I mean one of the amazing Facebook's amazing and one of the amazing things is how it connects with people you've known so you know I get great delight in seeing the success that these people have had all of them you know, in the other times I've done it is seeing through when you know when it's forty people, you can personally get involved in terms of their own job searches. Right. Spend the time with them, not really settled until everybody's in their new place. In their
1: own place. And one
0: of the things that, that I know, having been through it so many times, is they will all be fine. At yeah. the time, they are devastated. Their friends They're uh, shocked. To- yeah. Totally shocked. Um, and it's like having given the speech several times it's like you're gonna be okay i swear and they are
1: do, do you have any rules or did you have any rules when you were laying off people like that you were going to do it on the morning that you wanted to you know what i mean like anything that you hmm. put a process in place
0: well there's one thing you never ever fire anybody on a friday one person group of people because they go home who even knows whether they tell their their wife or husband, they kind of keep it in. Um, uh, you don't know what people might do. Um, they don't know that they're going to be okay. So they can freak out. Actually, it's interesting. My, my dad, when he got fired, uh, you, you, <laughs> my dad was an entrepreneur. He got fired. It was before I was born. It's like my mother said, so when are you going to plant the rose bushes you got over the weekend. He said, ah, Monday. Because he didn't, that was how she knew. That's how he told it. That's her. how he told her. He was an art director. So he got he was, fired on a Friday? He got fired, whatever oh, it was. Oh, uh, right. you know, it could be. But I, I, I learned over time. It's like, it's just you know, just human nature. You, so just, you, so you, you s- can't send people home on a Friday um, with, without, you know. Right, w- because then they can't
1: a, do anything about
0: no. it. No, so, so w- one, Friday. Don't do it Friday. Two, don't do it at the end of the day. Try to figure out how to do this earlier in the day um, if, you, if you can. Do it all quickly. It's interesting is I was involved in, involved in, led, because these are all things that I led, um, where you know, it's like we were letting a lot of people go. And I said, you know, the, you guys can stick around here for four days and get your resumes and whatever. That was actually a mistake. Um, that was not a good four days there were people who were staying who were going to continue mm-hmm. with the product that was that was not a good idea and i do have one thing i believe in that that most people do not i learned it from drew lewis who was the secretary of transportation under reagan who fired the air traffic controllers mm-hmm. trust me this guy was a killer and he was at warner cable and we just had been mckinseyed, and half the staff was gone whatever drew had a belief that and I, 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 I subscribe to this day. I try to get everybody I know to do it, and that is if someone's leaving either, either on their own or because you fired them out that day, right? Out that day, no one does it, don't do the firing out that day. But the interesting thing is, the they let person, them stick around. The person who's leaving for another job, and we say, Well, stick around for two weeks and do work. I guarantee you, by the third day, they just have this grin in the lunchroom. And everyone says, oh, no, no, we need Sally to stay for two weeks. Mm -hmm. You never do. It is amazing how quickly the sand will fill a hole. You can let people go. You will be fine. You know, you want them to be able to answer your emails. You want to be nice to them. Maybe you'll say to someone, hey, why don't you work from home for three days? Right. I don't want you in the office. But you don't want them hanging around. No. No. And everyone, every company I've been involved with, I've got 50, 50 different investments and been on 10 boards. I argue with people in every one of these companies. Cut it fast. Yeah. And that's an argument. Oh, no, we need Bill.
1: Right, but they don't realize that the minute you do something like that, Bill is just, is just a just. Oh, he's a, 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 Bill becomes a, a cancer.
0: A well, Bill becomes a cancer because one, everyone else is looking at him and says, what does Bill know that we don't know? Exactly. So the sooner we get Bill exactly. out of the building, the better. And number two is Bill's attitude's going to change. And number three, it's actually amazing. The sand fills the hole. Yep. It, it really does.
1: So Scott, the one thing, and I, and I don't know if if it's something that you've ever publicly talked about, but but I do wanna talk to you about this is is you and I have talked a lot about like when you change careers or when you leave a big company, you leave a big platform, um, people stop talking to you, right? I mean, it's funny how that happens. So what do you like what do you do about that? Why do you think that is? Oh I How know. many people got got I, cut out of your Christmas list? No, because I know of that?
0: I I know why it is. Um, And it's really interesting. It happened to me, so I was division president at MCI. I had all these people reporting to me and whatever. And then I did a startup 20 years ago. Now a startup 20 years ago in New York was the equivalent of being unemployed or stupid.
1: Right, oh, Scott can't get a job. Yeah,
0: it's like no one knew what startups were. There there were no VCs other than uh, uh, Fred Fred Wilson and a few others back then, and that was off in a corner. But all the corporate guys, you know, it's like, you know, no. And about half the people who I thought were my friends were really my friends because of my position. Mm-hmm. You can do something for me. You're the president of an MCI division. You're whatever. I was at Showtime or wherever I was before. It's like, oh, you're not actually a genuine friend. I didn't know that. And that's really handy. So I learned it. I was lucky me I learned it at 42 when I started about which was, everybody was going, huh? you know, get a real job. So I was, uh, that, was, that, was, that was really worthwhile um, and
1: are, I, have any of them made it back onto your friends list? Uh, yeah. They're gone forever?
0: <laughs> when they need something, they call and <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting. You, 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 um, there's the individual and then there's the position. Yeah. And so you, just, learnt, it, So one, yeah.
1: you learn who your true friends are.
0: Yeah, No question. You really see. And that's a okay. gift. That's a gift to see who your true friends are. The ones who are half friends or quarter friends, it's like, eh, OK, interesting to know. Doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship, necessarily. But uh, when, the, you know, when the going gets tough, um, you know, it's, I, I learned something, actually. Uh, my father was a successful guy in the ad business, and we had a big celebration when he died. We should be, unfortunately, we should have those before we died. But no. 400 people showed up and talked about how awesome he was. Um, and one of the things I learned about my dad that I didn't know, and maybe it was long enough ago, uh, for him, and he was a, he was a pretty tough guy. Um, When someone lost a job, that was interesting, it was both because it was the right thing to do and it was a little mercenary as well. When someone lost a job, he would be one to reach out to them. Hmm. Now, that's the right thing to do. Most people don't do it, they don't know how to do it. But the other one that's interesting is he said, they're gonna work again. And they're gonna remember that I was nice to them.
1: That's It's just
0: smart. So you know there are things that, however, and I don't know, I wish I could you know, have that conversation with him, is how much of it was because you're a good guy, and how much of it was because you're a pragmatic guy?
1: Right, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, unless you think this person is a true loser and is never going to have a job again, I mean, you want to make sure, right? That's that exactly you're
0: right.
1: That you're there for that person. Exactly, exactly. I can, but I can't tell you, Scott, how many people have come to me, or that I've talked to, not come to me, but that I've talked to, who have switched jobs, who've said, you know, oh, half the people, like, just like what you said, half the people that I knew, completely gone.
0: No, I think that people don't understand the importance of platform, is what's going on. So if they have a job, and it's really, if your job is important, and you can maybe do something for me, then there are a bunch of people who are gonna be really nice to you. Yeah. As soon as the platform changes, um, you know, you get into that. I'm lucky. I have two brothers who I love dearly. We have dinner every month and have done this for decades. Um, and we're all in the business. And, and And platform was a discussion we were having some time ago. Uh, it's. Um, I think uh, you want it, but you also need to understand. Um, who's in with you and who's not, and what happens when you don't have platform. There will come a time in everyone's life where they don't have platform, called retirement. And it's a really interesting thing. So I learned at 42 when all of a sudden I didn't have platform anymore, and then I got it back because about was successful. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, well, I don't really wanna feel that again, so I will never retire. So you can feel free to call me at three in the morning
1: you're always gonna work. <laughs> you never want to go through no. that again, no. ever.
0: Well, no, it's it's also it's the intellectual stimulation. But I, thought, you're, of I it.
1: thought I thought you were gonna say now that I've gone through it and I know how it feels, I'm not worried about it anymore.
0: No, that's true. Part of it is you're on your own, mm-hmm. um, and you are half who you are, and you are half what job you have, um, and that's an interest, That's an interesting mix. So i no the fact the fact that I understand it was a little shocking. Uh, at the beginning. It's like, whoa. But once you've gone through it, once you go, okay, I get it.
1: I've gone through it and I, I survived.
0: I get it. And, it actually, it and makes you get it, a t-shirt. It, it makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: Thanks for joining us. I'm Betty Lou. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. And don't forget, review us. Also, please sign up for the Radiate newsletter at RadiateInc.com and follow me on Twitter and Facebook. See you next week on Radiate.